When we last met, it was February 2007, and the Bears were finishing up a disastrous 2-10 season in their conference, the New Mac. That included a heartbreaking loss to Babson, in which Coast Guard led by 8 points with just over a minute to play, blew the lead, and then missed two free throws at the end of the game. Well, guess who the Bears' first-round opponent was? Second place Babson. Two days before the New Mac playoffs started, Eric Hudson's father took Eric, Eric's brother, Aaron Jones, and Stefan Lewis to ESPN for a tour. When the tour got done, I met them on the campus. I was working there at the time. And I asked Eric Hudson what he was thinking going into the playoffs. He said, if we play well, we can beat anybody. That comment stuck with me, and Eric meant what he said. I started watching the film, I'm looking at what we're doing. And then it was, I was just like, man, if we just do these little things, like we literally can beat all these teams. And I knew if we had another opportunity to play them, that we would probably win. Welcome to episode five, play well, beat anybody. Eric's words did stick with me, but not enough to get me to go to Babson. I went to the women's playoff game at Mount Holyoke instead. The men and women were playing at the same time. The women lost. It wasn't close. So that's why I don't have any highlights of the Babson game to play. I'm still mad about that. Because I missed Grant Johnson have a game that marked a turning point for the Coast Guard men's basketball program. We still had the the hope of light at the end of the tunnel. So there was still a reason to keep going to practice, to keep trying to get better, because even if we finish this 2-10, we, we still get a playoff game. Just be consistent. Be focused for 40 minutes, not 38 minutes, not 37 minutes. For 40 minutes, be focused. To win in the playoffs, you need a star. Grant Johnson was the star that day. He made nine three-point shots, a school record. Team manager, Zach Robertson. Grant was the captain that couldn't decide if he wanted to be captain. We called him Grandpa because he looked like a grandpa. And he also kind of had this elder mystique around him because of his prior college experience. This is assistant coach Sam Chung. I remember Grant the most because he not only wanted to win as much as anybody on that group, but he was able to communicate it. Uh, very well in player huddles. And I remember after the team meeting, after the timeouts, he would do it at the right time where Grant would be the one talking to the other four players. Right before they took the floor, Grant was the one that reiterated and gave the other players the confidence they needed. Coast Guard point guard, Al Sowers. Coach Bono had a, a buddy that he called Machine Gun. And that was like somebody who shot a lot. <laughs> so that that's kind of what I remember of Grant. He was never afraid to take a shot. And obviously, games like Babson, you want him shooting every time he touches the ball. Head coach Pete Barry. Grant was sometimes forgotten. Well, you can't forget him after he has six three-pointers and then seven three-pointers and then eight. And then number nine, I mean, come on. He, he just, it was explosive. It was wonderful. When did you know it was going to be your day? Probably when the third three went in. They had a, they had a decent crowd there. 
so it was fun to it was fun to be in and i think by the time i made my three i started getting some of their crowds attention like their student section which is a fun thing all right i, I couldn't tell you that i hadn't missed yet but i knew that it felt good which was more important to me sometimes you miss shots and it feels good and you don't know what you need to change and i'm okay with that but it felt good at number three and i think going into halftime i was like four four or five or five something like that and i didn't know that until jeff came up to me and he said you haven't missed yet i'm like huh you haven't missed? i've never seen you shoot like this are you gonna keep shooting like this i don't know and that was halftime and to win in the playoffs you need some unexpected contributors too late in the second half the bears big men ran into foul trouble they needed another option, and there was only one option left, all the way at the end of the bench. At forward, six foot five from Thomaston, Connecticut, number twenty-three, Frank Chesky. Frank Chesky was a freshman that year, and there's a reason we haven't talked about him until now. Frank was hobbled by a bad knee and wore a brace on the court and he was behind Jeff Prebeck, Steve Blum, and Ryan Burgess. In the 12-game Newmax season, Frank Chesky scored zero points. When he arrived, I just felt like there, there wasn't a connection made. He was like an outsider with the group. I remember him certainly had his ups and downs. I feel bad because he certainly expressed those feelings throughout the year. He wasn't having a good time. I guess his timing wasn't right. I just remember Frank was like a big, strong dude who was like always seemed mad. I remember Frank could not jump more than two inches off the floor, but his shoulders were wide enough that he could just knock you around a bit, sort of knock you off balance and make layups over you just by sort of using his strength. Super interesting player. I could tell, like, he he wanted more playing time. He thought he deserved more playing time, and it really hurt him that he did not get more. Because he had spent all season fighting Jeff Prebet, literally fighting. They got into several fights throughout the year. Sidebar, our whole team got in fights with each other. It's acceptable as long as you move past it. Jeff Prebeck remembers it well. Frank physical and I'm all about it of course like would I get frustrated yes would Frank throw the ball at me absolutely but I really appreciated Frank maybe better Frank really just was kind of like a bull in a china shop would put his head down and just kind of just plow through your chest and and yeah like did I appreciate it in practice no but was I going to get back at him the next play absolutely and did I see that transcend onto the next game and, and the next week and so on and so forth absolutely Assistant coach Sam Chung pulled Coach Barry aside. With Coast Guard barely hanging on to a lead, Sam had a bold idea. Remember, we talked earlier about how Sam coached every kid and coached them to be prepared for a moment like this. Sam told Coach Barry that this was a good time to give Chesky a chance. And I remember nudging Pete. I was like, put him in for a couple minutes here and there. And Frank delivered. To his credit, he delivered. Frank Chesky scored two baskets for Coast Guard that day, including the one that put the Bears ahead for good with just over four minutes remaining. To his credit, he believed in himself, and he was probably had a little chip on his shoulder, like, 
alright you're going to give me these 3 minutes I'm going to show you I should have been playing 30 minutes and that's a good chip to play with Chesky's 4 points a late 3 point play by Jeff Prebeck and Grant Johnson's 33 points carried the day as the Bears won an upset 70-66 to and I think Frank Chesky still carries that chip on his shoulder Frank was the only player from these Bears teams not to talk to me for this project. However, Sam Chung convinced him to write a short email of his recollection and send it to me. Frank wrote, I remember that timeout at the end. I remember both coaches looking down the bench and thinking to myself that surely they'll run a faster lineup and put another guard in. And then I remember Coach Barry looking away from the huddle for some reason. It was because Sam was chatting him up about something. Next thing I know, Barry is looking at me, looks at the ground, shakes his head, and exhales. Frank, I gotta put you in. I kind of laughed to myself. Wow, thanks for the confidence. I don't recall anything specific during the time I was on the court, other than that we just went to work, everyone did their job, and we were fortunate enough to have more points at the end of the game. The Bears caught an incredible break. In one of the other quarterfinals, 6th place Wheaton beat 3rd place Springfield. That meant that Coast Guard's half of the semifinals would be a matchup of last place Coast Guard and next to last place Wheaton on a neutral court in Worcester, Massachusetts, home of WPI, Worcester Polytechnic Institute. I have to tell you that Coast Guard versus Wheaton was a great game. It was nip and tuck for 40 minutes, and it came down to the last shot. And no one remembers the game. But I love this game, so I want to address it. Let's share a few of the highlights. By the way, the other voice you'll hear is Will Dawkins, now a vice president for the Oklahoma City Thunder, then a student at Emerson College who was helping me out. Ball poked loose. Burgess the steal. Race to the rim. Burgess up and in. That's a great play right there by a big man to be able to come out take it away from one of their guards and finish on him coast to coast with the left hand. Sowers for Johnson, fakes the three, cuts left, now right, takes the mid-range jump and hits. It's a tough shot right there. He's able to pump fake, get his men in the air, step through and hit the jumper. For Johnson in the corner, for three, left it short. Coast Guard converges on the glass and Freeback puts it in. Once again, Coast Guard on the offensive glass, attacking. That's how they're going to win this ball game. Here are the key things to know from that game. Number one, Wheaton had a guard named Brian Zukowski. He was a star. The Bears kept him down. Number two, Ryan Burgess played really well, maybe as well as he ever had. Number three, the score was tied with less than a minute to play. Wheaton had two free throws in a tie game to take the lead. The Lions missed both, and Coast Guard came down the floor to have its turn. There's one other thing. Al Sowers was in a slump. Al was the Bears' go-to guy that season. He was the guy that took the shot at the end of games. But Al didn't have a good shooting game against Babson, and he didn't have a good shooting game against Wheaton. Entering that possession, Al Sowers had missed 21 of his last 25 shots. But Al's way out of his slump was not to stop shooting, it was to keep shooting. And he's willing to take the big shot. you got to have that personality. 
he had that personality. Yeah, I'll take the shot. If we miss, if we win, great. If we lose, it's on me. He can handle that. I remember it was on the left side, and we wanted to. We did say, Al, you're going to have to penetrate. You're going to have to. You're going to have to keep the ball, distribute, and or, and or. Johnson gives to Burgess at the foul line, flips it back to Johnson, and now to Sowers. 14 on the shot clock, 31 left in the game. Sowers moves left around two men. Goes to the basket, to the baseline, jump is good. Al Sowers gives the Coast Guard the lead, 24.7 to fly. Wheaton timeout as they cross midcourt, 20.6 left. Sowers comes up with a big shot for the Bears. Huge shot for the Bears right there. He wanted the shot the entire time. He pulled the ball out, waited for the shot clock to hit 10. Ripped left, saw went through two defenders, hit that step back shot that he's been shooting. This time he got it to fall. Wheaton had one more chance, but the Bears' defense stood tall. 20 seconds left. E. Giovanna inbounds it to Zukowski. On his right for Leo. Flips it for Nick Michelle to Petra. With 12 seconds in the corner of Leo. Leo played by Burgess with nine. Bounce pass inside. Di Giovanna doubled. Kick out. Leo fakes. Bounce pass. Di Giovanna turns, shoots, misses. Rebound loose. Burgess foul. This time runs out. Wow. And they're jumping up and down, and the fans are clapping as Coast Guard wins the game. Improbably, it was on to the championship game, which pitted last place Coast Guard against the number one seed and nationally ranked number 13 WPI engineers. I want to give WPI its proper respect because you're going to hear a little bit about them in this next little bit. WPI was once in Coast Guard's shoes. Head coach Chris Bartley won one game in his first season as head coach. But he built a program that had staying power. And in 2007, they were the team to beat, the two-time defending league champs. My name is Ryan Kane. I previously played at WPI. Graduated in 2007. I was the two-time NUMAC Player of the Year, and I graduated as first-team All-American in Justin's National Player of the Year. Coach Bartley just does an incredible job on the recruiting trail. His ability to get teams to play at the level that he can get teams to play at and do it game after game and day after day and year after year, I think is pretty special. Another of WPI's stars was forward Antoine Coleman. Antoine Coleman was good, and Antoine Coleman was loud. He played with energy, and he liked to trash talk. He treated basketball with a different level of seriousness than others. And I went to go shake his hand the first time he was on campus and he stopped me. And he was very into like war and warriors and kind of ancient history and swords. He grabbed my arm and he said, this is how warriors shake hands. And he grabbed my forearm and shook hands like this. And he said, forever, we will not shake hands like everybody else. This is the only way that we'll shake hands. And that was just the kind of mindset that Antoine had. This is Antoine Coleman on Ryan Kane. Ryan Kane's unmatched. He's unmatched offensively. And I guess I've played basketball my whole life, and it's not an offensive player that I know who's better offensive-minded. Like to me, he's like a Steph. He's like a Steph Curry type of player. Like he just he figured it out. To beat WPI, Coast Guard was going to have to play at another level. Here's Grant Johnson. I think that was the first time we we paused to realize like. Holy bleep, if we win this game, 
we're going to be in a place we never thought we would be. They had the player of the year, Ryan Kane. They had packed house. That was probably, we were like, all right, we're going to have to play out of our minds to win this game. It could happen. I don't know that any of us were expecting it to happen, but it could. That Sunday morning, Steve Blum woke up thinking about how good WPI was. They knew all of our plays before we ran them. They have a little bit of everything, but the system, then they they put all that into a system where everyone is a threat. And even though Kane scores a whole bunch of points, everyone's a threat in that system. It was just a challenge. I didn't sleep well the Saturday night before the new Mac championship game, but as I woke up, I had a vision. I didn't know if Coast Guard was going to win, but if it did, I thought that Al Sowers would be the star. Little did I know that when Al Sowers woke up that morning, he was in pain. I played all of junior year with a broken bone in my foot. It would get worse at times, and and actually, towards the end of the season and the playoff run, I was in a walking boot, like, in between games. So I wasn't even practicing. Some days were definitely way better than others, and and I do remember, like, sometimes after games, like, barely being able to walk and, and then having to put on the walking boot so that I could. Even in pain, Al told his teammates in the locker room, they might beat us 99 times out of 100, but we only have to win this one. And Steve Blum felt that this day would be that one. There was no doubt in my mind we were going to win. Zero question ahead of time. We, I knew we were going to win. Not everyone was that confident. Al Sauer's father, Dave, was doing a lot of pacing, worried about Al's injury. And Coast Guard Sports Information Director Jason Southard wasn't feeling good about the Bears' chances. Did Mark... I just hope we don't embarrass ourselves. And I don't even know what the heck I meant by it. I knew we were a good team, but I knew WPI was like going into Cameron Indoor to try to win a game. Two things happened early in this game that were important. First, Sowers hit a three-pointer for the game's opening points. And then Ryan Burgess had a huge dunk for the team's next basket. I remember that was my only two points that game, but that was a good two points. Burge was the, the nicest guy. He should have been a preacher. When Burge dunked, it was like, oh, did I do that? I hope I didn't hurt anybody on the way down. Because I got the ball, it was a fast break, I got the ball, and I dunked right on the MVP from WPI. And I remember that we had a pretty good student section there for that game, and they really liked it. Affectionately, his nickname was Bambi, because it was like he was always like he was learning to walk. I mean, he was, he's a super athlete. Super strong, super big, but he just couldn't get control of his body. But every once in a while he did. And then it was like a beautiful performance of athleticism. And that was, Burge kind of set the tone like, oh, okay, if if Burge is going to bring it like that today, then maybe we all are. Maybe we've got a chance. It was kind of like in the boxing movies where the underdog lands that first big shot and it makes the the favorite kind of shake their head and realize like, oh, we're, we're in for it today. I think Burge's dunk was that, like, oh, they're not going to roll over today. The Bears didn't roll over. They played great. And you know what? So did WPI. Right wing Church for three. He hit. Gives the Bears the lead, 11-8. Justin Church off the bench for three. Down low, Coleman. Coleman shoots and hits. 
tough physical layup inside for Antoine Coleman. He's got three hoops and seven points. And the lead, the biggest for the engineers here at 18 to 11, 7.15 to play. Down low to Blum. Blum in the lane. Two-footer good and a foul. Chance for a three-point play. Steve Blum off the bench with six points for Coast Guard. Now they rotate it left for Kane. Seven to shoot. Lob pass. Coleman under the hoop. Played by Burgess. Five-footer rolls in. Tough shot for Antoine Coleman, his fourth basket. He's got nine. Antoine Coleman gives the engineers a 34-32 lead. Into Kane. Kane in the lane. Floating shot rolls in. Brian Kane with 11 points. His first two-pointer. He's got three threes. WPI 40. Coast Guard 37. 15.35 to play. WPI has tried on a couple of occasions to apply the knockout punch in this game, but hasn't been able to do it. Coast Guard has stayed right with them. For a good chunk of the game, Coleman and Kane did their thing. To a man, Coast Guard will tell you how good those guys were. And that day, they combined for 37 points. In my opinion, I thought that the Coast Guard kids, like if I talked them out of the game, it would be easier. I was trying to intimidate them because I had no idea that they were going through military training. I had, like, their Coast Guard Academy was just another college to me. So for me, I didn't realize it at the time, but, like, it was, I was playing a fool's errand trying to get in their minds. They were tough as nails. Al Sowers did his thing, too. He scored 23 points on his bad foot. Sowers will inbound, gets it into Hudson, hands it back to Sowers. In the corner, his three is good. 48-46, Sowers is putting on a show today for Coast Guard. He's got four threes. I would never try to get him to ask again. That was tough as nails. With under six minutes to play, the game went from great to epic. Antoine Coleman hit a shot to put WPI ahead. To that point, he had outscored his man, Jeff Prebeck, 18-2. But Prebeck had a plan, thanks to Grant Johnson, who made sure that Jeff didn't get too much inside his own head. I remember Grant walking up to me I'm just very melancholy, man. Like, just do my own, like, pregame ritual. And Grant was like, hey, man, Coleman? I was like, yeah. This dude's a Ferrari. Like, he's a Ferrari. He's going to go fast. He's going to make a lot of noise. But is he really reliable? You? You're like a farm tractor. No one cares about you. It might take you a while to get started up, get that diesel engine warm. But once you go, like, you're going to plow your field. There's not going to be any hiccups. And you're just going to do your thing. And he was just like, be the farm tractor. Plow your field. First, Jeff set up Stefan Lewis for a three-pointer. Download a pre-back. Here comes the double. Kick out. Lewis, three-pointer, banks it in. 57-56, Coast Guard, 5.25 to play. First points of the game for Stefan Lewis. Then he made his second basket of the game to put Coast Guard back ahead. Bounce pass to his right. Prebeck, seven to shoot. Jeff moves left, goes across the lane, fakes, twists, turns, shoots, and hits as the shot clock was winding down. Only the second basket today for Jeff Prebeck. 59-58, Coast Guard, 4.30 to play. The teams traded blows, and then with the Bears down one and 90 seconds left, Prebeck struck again. 20 on the shot clock for Coast Guard. Blum moves right, bounce pass for Sowers. One-on-one -on -one with Kane. 15 on the shot clock for Coast Guard. Download a pre-back. One-on-one with his man. He goes across the lane, up with the left hand and in to give the Coast Guard the lead with a minute 20 to play. The engineers weren't done. 
Lorette for Coleman, wing left, pass inside to Kane. He beats his man off the dribble, scores. Gives the engineers the lead back at 64-63 with a minute five. Neither was Coast Guard. And on this possession, Prebeck sensed he didn't have the shot. A minute to play as Sowers comes across midcourt, his team down one. Johnson for Prebeck, spins in the lane, kick out to Hudson on his right for Sowers. Kane tries to draw the charge, doesn't get the call, down let a Blum. Remember, this is the same Steve Blum who nearly went to WPI. The same Steve Blum who barely played his first two years at the academy. The same Steve Blum who worked so hard to get better. The same Steve Blum who got into trouble, but got another chance. That's a lot of stuff. Down let a Blum. Blum turning the lane, shot no. Got his own rebound, put back good and a foul. Chance for three. This is the Steve Blum who made the most of his chances. So it's only fitting that he scored on a second chance shot. What's funny is Steve's response when I bring it up. No recollection. I don't. I'm so sorry. Steve Blum scored 14 points that day. Those last three, the basket and subsequent free throw, epitomized the difference between Steve Blum in the fall and Steve Blum in the spring. They also put the Bears ahead. From where he was when he first got there to where he was by the end of his junior year, that's the most improvement I've seen of any kid, maybe Kevin Alvarez as well, of anybody that I've ever had. It was unbelievable, the difference. The game was far from over. There were still 43 seconds left. Coast Guard was winning by two and Ryan Kane was thinking that he was going to be the one to hit the game-winning shot. I ran the baseline, we got the ball up the court, and I had a corner three. New Mag Men's Championship game has come down to this. Engineer possession, Jerome Kirkland wing right. In the corner to Kane, he backs up for three, missed it. And to this day, it sticks in my mind. I probably over-exaggerate the story as the years go on, probably gets overinflated a bit. But it seemed to me, my memory was, it seemed like the ball hit the rim about five times before the ball eventually missed. And every time I thought it hit the rim, that the ball would fall in. From that corner, you kind of know, our hoop in the second half, we always knew it. It had a little bit of tilt, right? So the front of it was down a bit at the time. And I thought that hoop would just catch that ball. And I thought for sure that ball was going in, and it, you know, hit so many times it ended up falling off. The rebound of Kane's missed shot was up for grabs, and Eric Hudson grabbed it. To that point in the game, Eric Hudson had had one rebound. His second was a valuable one. WPI immediately fouled him. Eric Hudson's biggest trouble spot in his freshman season was free throw shooting. He was below 50% for the year entering the game. And WPI called timeout to let Eric think about it. I was nervous. One, because I was fully aware of my percentage that year. I was tired and I knew how important these free throws were. Coach Barry spoke up in the huddle. He spoke definitively. He said, when Eric makes these free throws, he didn't say if, he said, when? What else do you say? It's not going to say, well, geez, on defense after Eric misses these. You got to give him something, a lifeline of some sort. 
And I think most coaches need to talk in a positive sense. Because Barry said that, it kind of gave me, first it calmed me down, and then it gave me confidence to go there and shoot them without thinking any repercussions or negativity. I literally went there and I said, I'm going to shoot this. If I make it, I make it. I miss it. I'll get the ball back. Hudson couple of dribbles. Free throw is good. 67-64, Coast Guard, Hudson with eight. Second free throw for Hudson. Focuses, shoots, hits. Two for two, 68-64, 30 seconds to play. But again, the game wasn't over. WPI made a shot to cut Coast Guard's lead to two. Grant Johnson made one of two free throws to make the lead three points and WPI had a chance to tie in the closing seconds. To Keane on the wing, cross-court pass, Kirkland doesn't have the shot, gives to Loretti, fakes, gives to Coleman, his three is short, rebound Eric Hudson with nine seconds, he's fouled. Eric, Eric could really jump, and he did. Eric wanted it badly enough, he it was like Air Bud, he just flew through the air and grabbed both those rebounds. So now Eric Hudson was going to the free throw line again. Remember, he's about 50% for the season, and he just made two in a row. Why do you think you struggled with the free throw line during the season? It was definitely mentally, because if you look at my mechanics, it was always right, like, for the most part. They were pretty right. I think it was, it was mental. I was thinking a lot. And then there's a lot of similarities, and I learned this, I think, between with Coach Barry, um, with golf and basketball, as far as repetition and keeping your motion constantly the same every single time, just like when you swing a golf club, it's all, before you hit the ball, all these other things have to be right. And I think that if you add to my time in Australia, I could, I, we really didn't have a lot of opportunities to improve. And then my surgery, all that kind of stuff. I think I was, I had some kind of a little issues right there and I would constantly adjust or readjust, and I'm thinking about it, and I, it definitely was a mental thing. I feel like he was always very confident in himself, no matter what. So I, I think that even though the percentages didn't really favor, you know, him going four for four, just seeing his mannerisms and just seeing his calm, confident demeanor, I was very confident that he was going to make those free throws. This is New London Day sports writer Mike DeMauro. I'm sitting courtside, Sully's next to me, Jason Southern, and he goes, he's never going to make these. And I was like, of course he is. And all I could think of was, with all the crap that these kids have to go through, pressure, pressure, free throws are not pressure to him. Eric's free throw shooting coach that year was Sam Chung. But we will work on certainly the rotation and working what we call straightaways. The ball's got to go straight. If it doesn't go straight, you don't have a chance. And at the time, his shot was really flat. And frankly, it wasn't going straight enough. But Sam believed in Eric Hudson. There was no doubt that those free throws were going in. There was not a doubt in that wholeheartedly. I remember looking at him with a smirk, and I just said, you just keep your breathing calm, relaxed, I was pretty confident. Sitting not far from Chung, Steve Blum was praying. As for head coach Pete Barry, 
deep, deep down, did you think he would make two in a row twice? Yes, I had to. I had my St. Jude medal. I have two St. Jude medals going on here, so it was going to work. Yeah. Patron saint of difficult and desperate situations. That's that was desperate. Point lead. First is good. 70 to 66. Coast Guard. 8.2 to play. Hudson's three for three from the line. Now the second for Hudson, the freshman. It's up. And good. 71 66 with eight seconds. Those two free throws provided the final points in a classic conclusion to the new max season. Here's Lorette on the run with six in the front court, down the lane, underneath, layup, no good! Rebound, Blum! Blum, that's it! Coast Guard has done it! A 71-66 win for the Coast Guard Academy in the new Mac Men's Championship game! And the Bears fans storm the court. The United States Coast Guard Academy, the last place team in the league, wins the new Mac today, 71-66. Oh my goodness, what a game this was. And the Coast Guard fans on to the court to congratulate the Bears, the new Mac tournament champions, headed to the NCAA tournament for the first time since 1979. The Bears, the 2-10 last place Bears, had done the impossible. That was, that's across the board. It was a team win. And to know that we overcame something like that, 2-10, and 10, yeah. And to see how we went to a place where the expectation was for us to lose and to win it, and then to win the whole division being last, like, yeah, I don't know if that ever happened again. Oh, my gosh. It was quiet relief for me for about 10 seconds. We really did this. We did the impossible. One of the more memorable wins in Coast Guard athletic history, without question. Other celebrations were a little more chaotic. I didn't know what to do. It was one of those, like, what do we do now? So I, I kind of fall back onto the floor. Imagine doing a snow angel. But I didn't know that there was a, a photographer about three feet behind me. So I fell back into her knee and like hyperextended her knee. And then the medic had to come over. Do I feel horrible for what I've just done to this lady or do, do I go celebrate with my team? I was, I was so conflicted. I, I had so many emotions to deal with. There wasn't much time for celebration, both because the basketball players had to turn back into cadets with military expectations and classes the next day. And because there was another game to play. Coast Guard's NCAA tournament draw was the same Rhode Island college team that it lost to earlier in the season and that it lost to last season in the ECACs. So we kind of knew going into that game that we could play with them. That, to me, was was the first time I felt like I was in a college basketball game. My whole entire school came to the game. Like, they bust the whole school there. It was televised, like, a really cool thing, life experience to have guys sitting at half court under lights talking about your game. They had decided beforehand that they were going to focus on Jeff, so they had like the camera underneath him as he warmed up. I stood right off camera uh, trying to make him laugh. I'm like, oh, Jeff, you got a big booger. Oh, no, Jeff, they're going to see your crooked nose. They had the camera kind of like 
on the ground, like looking up at us as we're shooting, just like the same thing you would see on TV. It was like, you want to play cool, so you don't want to look at the camera. You like want to think this is something that happens every single game, but really you're like, oh man, like, I wonder if they're looking at me. They packed the gym. The environment in the gym was just crazy. For me, that was eye-opening. Our fans that showed up to that game were amazing. I remember thinking we should win. Burgess drives, goes inside, up and in. 2 nothing Coast Guard. The Bears get the first basket of the game. We're 30 seconds in. They were good. No, we were good. Moves right. Bears have gone three minutes between points. Here's Hudson for three. He hits. And the drought and three for Coast Guard. 25-21 Bears. Six tens of life. Johnson moves right. He gets doubled. They jump out to help. Swing it left. Hudson for three. Bingo! 28-21. Two threes in a row for Hudson. I remember that everyone's chanting, he's a freshman. Hudson steps around him in. Fade away, jump good. 49-41, eight-point lead for Coast Guard. 9.20 to play. Anchorman one time. The Coast Guard fans going bananas. 49-41 Bears. I think we were up, I want to say, eight to ten points at one point late in the second half. Crowd was going crazy. And then they had a possession where probably we needed one more miss from them. But they instead, they, they made the play. To their credit, they made it happen. Stewart played by Burgess on a switch. Whipped up top. Durgan for three. Hits to tie. 6.45 to fly around Island starting to heat up. And then all of a sudden, the momentum shift. Outside to Bailey. Down low to Pierre Leone. Turn around. Hook good. Eckerman lead. 53-52. 6.05 to fly. Earlier in the game, point guard Al Sowers, already dealing with a broken foot, broke a finger too. He tried to play through it, but the Bears' comeback efforts came up short. I just remember it just sucked. Like, it was frustrating because it was such a a cool run that we had in the conference tournament and then to go there and lose in front of that crowd. It was just such an amazing atmosphere uh, to be in that you didn't want it to end. I do remember like going off the court into the locker room after the game and your ears were just buzzing because and ringing because it was like so loud in the actual gym that like when you got out, you could barely hear anything. The Bears lost a close game. Their season was over. But what an amazing season it was. From last place to a conference championship, and dancing in the NCAA tournament. It was tradition for a bunch of the Coast Guard players to go on spring break together. They typically bought their plane tickets ahead of time. A group went off to Mexico to celebrate their season. It was a celebration well earned. There was probably seven or eight of us for a full week, and that was like quintessential team bonding. The 2008 Bears didn't buy their spring break plane tickets ahead of time. Their goal was to be doing something magnificent. I want to be doing this again next year, 100%. On the next episode of A Lasting Legacy... I think Coach Chung was like, just, hey, what what do you want to do with your with your careers? What do you want to do with this season? It's up to you. It's slipping by. 
we were two and five and then kind of made us look in the mirror and say, he's right. A Lasting Legacy is hosted, produced, and edited by me, Mark Simon. One story I didn't get to tell in the flow of this episode was this. When Eric Hudson made that shot to put Coast Guard up eight points on Rhode Island College, a sports writer for the Providence Journal came up to Coast Guard SID Jason Southerd and asked the following question. How the f*** did that team go 2-10 and ten in the conference? Well, sir, it's a bit of a long story. Special thanks to Antoine Coleman and Ryan Kane, who are really good sports about talking to me about the Coast Guard WPI rivalry, and to WPI SID Rusty Egan for helping me track down Antoine. Special thanks as well to then Coast Guard assistant coaches Sam Chung and Kevin Jaskowitz, and New London Day sports writer Mike DeMauro for their support of this podcast. Thank you for listening.